focus on our sermon today. This is from the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 1 to 17. I'm ambitious, we will finish all 17 verses. Um, this is found on page, page 472 Bible, on your Bibles, 472. So we will read it together, um, verses 1, only up to uh, 17. So Second Samuel, beginning to, uh, chapter 7, beginning to read from verse 1, together. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now. I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tents of curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more, as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. 
throughout our series, God's Covenant with Man, we see the unity of God's plan. We see one God, one true God, one plan of redemption for one people, his bride, the church. We saw also how God's people is established and regulated by the word, that's last week, strengthened and assured by the sacraments, and today we will look at the kingdom, one kingdom, and of course, one Messiah. So you can see your Bible as one whole unity. At the back, the last page of your handouts, you will see how it is aligned together. So check that out at home. For our text today, this is the Davidic covenant, God's promise to David. I entitled this, The Perfect Plan. Outline is there, David's present situation, David's plan, God's present situation, God's perfect plan, the Messiah promised, and the Messiah preached. So we look at the first two verses, David's present situation. Keep your Bibles open. First two verses. The king was dwelling in his house of cedar. Cedar wood was a luxurious item, expensive stuff. Why? It's light, it's soft, yet it's durable. And I heard it smells good. So if you build a house with that, you have natural fragrance emanating from that. You can read more about that in Ezekiel 31. God describes um, a people as the cedar, a forest of cedar. Now, David also, we see, he had wealth and stability. That's why he could build the palace, right? We see from verse 1 and 2, rest from all his enemies around. But I want you to see something. David sees that situation from God's perspective. Look at the agents immediately. The Lord had given him rest. That rest is the gift of the Lord for David. And you know, if you read further, verse 18 onwards, he sees David remembers his unworthiness. And he knows it's all God's grace. And so David finds rest in God. Even though not all his enemies are subdued yet. How do I know? If you flip quickly to the next page, your Bibles, Chapter 8 immediately says, After this it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And you go on, that chapter is full of war. David's winning. But what I'm trying to say, in chapter 7, the enemies were, were still there. But David rested in the Lord. What's the message for us? You see the application later, but let me focus on one thing before we go to ourselves. Go back to David. So David dwells in the house of cedar. He realizes the rest from the Lord, and he chose to rest on the Lord, putting his trust on the Lord. And he says, see now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tents. His attention is immediately what? To the Lord. David assessed and compared his situation accurately 
It is easy for us to compare with others who visually seem like doing well. I don't have a job. They have. My salary is terrible. They can ride a car. Like, you can easily compare. My family's broken. And you can keep going. We all have troubles, and we will never see fully what one person is going through. So it's easy to compare, look at the shiny things. But when we want to compare, compare accurately. Compare who you were before and see where you are now in Christ. How unworthy, ugly, disgusting we were, and how we are adorned with robe of righteousness. Do we remember that? Do we compare that? What I have received, compare that with what I gave to God. Do we compare that? So much has been given to me. What have I given for the Lord? So David longed to serve God with what he had. Whatever situation he was in, still enemies around, he chose to serve. So I will point out one simple principle. This contentment comes from selfishness, self-centeredness, putting self as God at the center of the universe. It robs your joy. It robs God's glory. It makes us envy. So may God be the center of our hearts. Now applications... We need to be content in whatever situation we are in, Paul says, Philippians 4. Because God puts you here to grow you, to teach you. Be content and take every thought captive so that when Satan uses that, any feeling, any thought of discontentment, Grab it. No, put it under the submission of Christ. No, in Christ Jesus, I am well um, met. My needs are well met. I am all right. Whatever I need, he will fulfill. Also Philippians 4. So trust that you can rest in Jesus Christ right now. Whatever mess you're in, if you are here today, calling upon his name, rest in Christ. Don't wait for the ideal. Your ideal might not come. Serve God now with what you have. Give, invite, share, call, serve. Don't wait. This is the time. Now we move on to verses 3 and to 5. David, out of a thankful heart, planned to build a house for God. Prophet Nathan supported the idea at first. It was a good plan. It was good intention. But God has a different plan. Now I'll just quickly go to application. We need to learn to outdo one another. If you are in Christ, you have been given every spiritual blessings. Uh, Ephesians 1. So let us outdo one another in loving, in doing service, both to the Lord and to one another. You do it to the least of these. You do it for the Lord. And true love, true service are 
the response of a thankful heart after all God has done for us. Not the other way around. I do this so that I get, but I have been given much, so I give. Your cup is overflowing, and others enjoy that blessings overflowing. And this is applicable in any relationship, God and man, husband and wife, parent, child, friends, work. Oh, this person doesn't call me. Why don't you call first? Outdo one another in showing honor, Romans 12. So let us do that. Serve one another because we know God has first ministered to me. And next is commit your plans to the Lord. There can be good plans, but God's plan is always ultimately better, full stop. So you must trust Him when He says something else than what you planned. Do not be discouraged when God does not allow our plans of serving Him or serving others the way we think is best. When God doesn't allow that to pass, don't be discouraged. It doesn't always mean it is bad or sinful. It can be, but it doesn't always mean that. But definitely, God has a better plan. He's not leaving you alone. He walks with you. So the next step is always with God. So I cite some verses there, but just read the first one. Uh, Psalm 70, uh, 37, verse 5. Together, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And you can uh, skim through all that. But when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, when you lean not on your understanding, you will be able to accept whatever God allows to happen is what is best for me, what is best for my family. Because you know His plan is plan of peace and not evil, giving us future and hope. Now let us move to the next section, chapter, uh, verses 6 and 7, God's present situation. Immediately your alarm should sound, God's situation changes? No, we confess that our God does not change. There's no shadow of turning. But we also see in the Bible, throughout the redemptive history, God condescended, came down to dwell among and with his people, even in his people. First King chapter 8, 27, I'll read it for you. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I, that was Solomon, have built. Back in Deuteronomy 4, 7, Israel already confessed, for what great nation is there that has God so near to it, as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon Him. God Himself indeed comes in Jesus Christ. Yahweh is so near to His redeemed people. Emmanuel, God with us. Not just in the Old, even better in the New Testament. His Spirit is in us. You see all the verses there 
Check it out. Memorize it. And you'll remember, I am never alone because God is with us. Who can be against us? Application, live in the presence of the Lord. Everything you say, every thought you have in your mind, everywhere your eyes look, live as if the Lord is there because He is there with you. Live a life worthy of His presence. Don't bring Him shame. Secondly, sin separates man from God. But God comes to seek the lost, so draw near to God. For believers, God is always, always with us. And the problem is our sin. It dulls our sensitivity. We cannot perceive Him in good conscience because we sin. That's why Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Therefore, James called others, everyone, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Can we do that? Of course not. But Jesus Christ does it on your behalf. The command is to do. The gospel is to show that it's done. Jesus did. It's done on your behalf. Come. The message is come because it's done by Jesus. Therefore, we also have Hebrews 4.16. Let us together come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come to Jesus. My next application there is as Jesus emptied himself to serve, let us also serve one another. God allows our present situation, sadness, loneliness, pain, or joy, family, comfort, all the bad and the good, God allows that there so that we can trust Him more, so that we see His work more, so that we also serve Him with that, so that we empathize with others, so that we help them in time of need. Be the church, every muscle working together. Now we move forward to God's perfect plan, verses 8 to 11. So you see first, Samuel, um, sorry, Nathan told, uh, Nathan was commanded by God to tell uh, David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheephold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. I want you to pause there and realize why God's quote-unquote complete name, Lord of hosts, because there's a contrast immediately following. David, I took you from the sheepfold. Worthless. The red guy, short guy um, that, that Pastor Mitchell mentioned. But because God calls, David's life is changed. The question is, why does God bestow His grace and promises to undeserving shepherd boy People often quote this verse, David is a man after God's own heart. But what does that mean? Because David is a certain way, so God chose David? That's very wrong. So that is taken from 1 Samuel 13, 14. I'll read it for you. But now your, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought 
for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be a commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. The wrong understanding if you go immediately is when you go immediately saying the man, David is the man in whose heart is full of God. It's not because David's heart is full of God, but because God's heart is focused on David, on the man. So the man is a man of God's own choosing. That's what it means, after God's own heart. Let me illustrate to you. Um, actually, before we go there, translation. I was thinking the better or clearer understanding would be God chose a man based on his sovereign will, his own heart. The reason for choosing, we learned this, God's own heart, God's own good pleasure. Now, the result of the election, of course, David's life is changed, and he become conformed to the image of God. In his heart, you start to see God is the Lord in his heart. Can you see? Do not bypass to the last um, end of that. Be like David. No. It doesn't begin by that. It begins, be in Christ. And then you can be like David because Christ is the cause. So don't bypass that. Now let me illustrate you uh, with simple thing that we do today. We chose one out of two or more identical things. There's nothing in that that persuades us to prefer one to another. The seed you choose today, the Bibles that you picked from the table today, just no reason. Not one is better than the other. We just pick out of your good free will. Just pick that one. Maybe random, but with God, no random. Now the next point. When we pick, the things that we chose do not always get transformed for the better. Probably get worse, crumpled or anything, <laughs> dirty. But God's election transforms us for the better. 180 degrees from vile, sinful sinners into righteous person in Christ. Who, he, he whom God chose, God also called, God also redeemed, God justified, adopted, sanctified, and also glorified. In short, loved by God. Even Paul, the best, one of the best theologians, said, what can I say? What shall we say to these things? It's just mind-blowing. Is this your reality today? Do you meditate on this truth every day? This is the consistent pattern from the Old Testament to the New. God's sovereign election changes filthy sinners into slaves of righteousness. Noah, verse 8, God has favor on Noah. Verse 9, Noah is made righteous. Abram, Genesis 12, 1, God called Abram. Verse 4, Abram went. God chose Isaac over Ishmael. God chose Jacob over Esau. God chose Israel over other nations. God chose you and I. Why? We're not more deserving. And yet, He chose because He loves us. Application, believe. Believe that you are loved. You are called by God. You are in His heart. Jesus died for you and for me. 
believe, don't doubt your salvation. Secondly, live for Him. Keep His Word in your heart. Every breath that you take, may that be the proclamation of this truth. Now, the next section is a bit long, so I make it short. If you look at your handout, I want you to see that the promises God made for David, they are ours, but it is only through faith in Christ Jesus. God says to David, I took you from sheepfold to, into a king. Look at us. From death to life we are taken. From sin to righteousness. To David, I made you ruler. For us, I make you rule over sin. Sin has no dominion over you, Romans 6. And in the end, Revelation 2, we will rule the world with Christ. God said to David, I've been with you wherever. Look at ever-present God with us. That's why we can say, whom shall I fear? Psalm 27, Psalm 46. God says, I've cut off all your enemies. Look at us. Recount all the times God set us free from temptations, from sins, from evil. Forgiveness of sin is there. And he will ultimately crush the serpent when Jesus comes. I have made you a great name. Look at us today. Who is Leo Juono? But my name is Leo in Christ. And I am ambassador of Christ here. I am his beloved. I want to be known as the son of God. Adopt the child of God. Is this your identity? And then God says, I will appoint a place and plant you, cause you to dwell and move no more. No more. And here we are forever with God, seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, Psalm 16, 8. Read this together. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. We are so secure. In him. And this promise only in Jesus, through faith in Jesus. He gives David rest from all his enemies. For us, we are more than conquerors. Jesus will defeat all enemies. For David, he will make a house, a dynasty. Look at us. We are adopted as God's children to rule. And he gives us a kingdom. That's why Peter says, We are holy nation. You are citizen, and your citizenship is in heaven, says Paul. Oops, there's a catch there. It is given to the church corporately as the body of Christ, not individually. So if you want to tap into this blessing, come to Christ. If you are in Christ, you are in his body. Where is that? The church. Be part of the church. That is where God pours his blessings. That is where you will see him doing mighty things. You have questions? Come. You have doubts? Come. This is where Christ speaks. Application, find your identity in Christ. Fix your eyes on the cross. I don't look good today. I am still sinning. But... 
I am righteous, justified completely in Christ. Don't let Satan rob the identity from you. Stand firm. Fix your eyes on the cross where you are found in Christ. And do not let the standard of the world make you doubt God's love or God's plan for you. God, if you love me, I don't have jobs. God, if you love me, you, I can go on. But you get the point. The world will blur the love of God. Take heed of his promise here. See what he's doing in the church, in his kingdom even, that we will see forward. So align your plans with his. The business of the kingdom should be your business. And what is that kingdom? Let's look at it. The Messiah and his kingdom promised. This is verses 12 to 16. So verse 12, you see David's seed from his own flesh, his own blood, will rule forever. The seed will build a house for God's name. God will establish the seed's kingdom forever. And then you start to think, Solomon, must be Solomon. But, well, sure, he is David's own flesh and blood. Solomon built physical temple, but immediately you see, well, he died. His kingdom immediately fell after that. Israel was broken into two and then went into captive exile and never more to recover. We know it's not Solomon. But now, if you read your Bibles, you know that this is the promise of the eternal kingdom by the eternal Son. Who is that? Jesus Christ, the true Son of God. What temple does he build? The church, the temple of the living God. And you and I are part of that. Can you see that? Now, the next section, verse 14, gets harder. As a father, God disciplined Solomon and all his children. Yes, but Jesus did not commit any iniquity. Jesus doesn't sin. And yet, he was chastened. With the rod of men, with the blows of the son of men, says the Bible. And we learn from Isaiah. He says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That is for you and for me. Jesus went through that so that you and I may be part of that eternal kingdom. That is why he is our Savior, our God, that's why verse 15 is there. My mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. And that is yours, because we are found in Christ Jesus. Can you see? All these is for you through Christ. In summary, we see the partial fulfillment in Solomon, yes. 
But the complete fulfillment is in Jesus. Because the Old Testament saints received grace in and through Christ. They enjoyed the limited benefits of the new covenant that has been promised foretold from Genesis 3, 15. And then through Noah, through Abraham, through Moses, through David here. One promise. David did not know the extent of the promise. Like Nehemiah did not know why he did things. Isaiah could not fully comprehend the comfort. He says, comfort, comfort. He didn't know as much as we do now. How blessed are we to have the full disclosure of this great mystery. So let us read together from Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Together. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the mystery? Don't look too far. This is Christ in you. You want to know the mystery? This is it. He reveals it. Is this your business? This is the business of the kingdom, to preach this message of salvation and the judgment that will come. Is this your business? Is this the hope of glory that you have that pushes you forward to live every day for Him? Application, if you are in Christ, be assured that God's mercy, mercy shall never depart from you. Your salvation is eternally secure in Jesus Christ. Believe. David still has enemies, chapter 8, but he rests in God even in the presence of his enemies. Remember Psalm 23? Evil might be so near to us, around us. The outlook for the church might not be promising. Fear not. Doubt not. But find rest. Fight the good fight of faith and finish the race. Believe his word. We do not know what we do today, how far God will take that. He has grand plan. So take up your cross. Serve one another. And the last verse says, according to all these words and according to all the vision, this vision, so Nathan spoke to David, and today, according to all these words, and according to Jesus Christ, whom we have seen, we have heard, we have looked upon, we have touched with our hands, says the Apostle John, the message is preached to you today. Come to Christ. When Jesus comes, he will destroy all his enemies. Who are they? Those who are not in Christ. So come join the kingdom that has no end, where Christ is king. Make him the king of your heart today. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we may call you Father today because we are adopted. And this adoption is made possible only through your eternal Son, Jesus Christ. With him, 
we find all the promises being fulfilled. In Him, we find all spiritual blessing poured out for us, the church. Father, teach us to see, fix our eyes on the cross where we find our identity. Let not the world rob our identity, blur our understanding of the true identity we find in Jesus Christ and also our mission that we are down here to proclaim, to herald the coming King who will judge the living and the dead. And let not every pain, every discontentment, temptation, trial, discourage us. The fight we have in, at home with our spouses, siblings, disagreements we might have, even with fellow members, may we put that aside. May we see that we need to be united together for the kingdom's cause. Our own pleasure, our own comfort, may we find that in walking with Christ. And as your Spirit led us every day, leading us to preach, to live this gospel, help us to be faithful and to be joyfully doing this so that when you come, we may be found faithful. We surrender our lives and your church here and around the world in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.